Thank you very much. Just a technical interjection. Can I get a little bit of fold back up here? That'd be really, really helpful. Thank you.
Thank you very much. Uh, now for the uh, crass commercial plug. Uh, on the table out there, there are a whole bunch of CDs. And uh, I'm going to do a special today. So um, you can get three CDs. And I know th CDs are kind of a thing of the past, but a lot of people still use CDs. I do have download cards as well for those that are more tech savvy. Uh, but uh, you, can, you can buy y your choice of three CDs for $30. And if you do that, you'll also get a free copy of the new album. Just give me your details and I'll send you the new CD when it comes out. So you're getting four CDs for 30 bucks, which is pretty good value. Because um, they're $15 each normally. So if you get three, you're saving $15. So you've come to church today with the capacity to save money, which is... <laughs> and I've done the maths. If you, if you order 2,003 packs you've saved enough money for a new car. <laughs> Thank you. I don't, does it work like that? I'm not sure. No. My current latest album, which I did have last time, I think I was kind of touring, uh, launching this last time. It's a double CD uh, that uh, celebrates back then 30 years since my first album came out on Wax Cylinder. But anyway, um, that's, uh, that's that CD. Who would like that? This lady on the end, come on out. Look at that. Simple as that. Fantastic. What is your name? Correct. Very good. You can. If you give me $15 later on, I'll give you the discs that go inside the case. But, uh, there's a limit to my generosity. No, they are in there. They promise. They're in there. Thank you, Aaron. Beyond the changing of my mind Though my deepest fears abound You're the one Through a dark and sleepless night When the sun just won't break through When nothing's going right Lord, you're the one You're the one who calmed the sea 
Hello, hello, hello. It is. Oh, Steve on. Oh. <laughs> Nearly gave you a drum solo as well. Oh, good. Hey, uh, greetings from my family, my wife, uh, Kerry. Uh, we've been married 33 years. We have five children. Um, the oldest is 31, down to 14. We spread them out, which sometimes is good, and sometimes you think, oh, we should have had them a bit closer together. But anyway, it's good, so huge greetings from them, and uh, again, thank you to Jeremy for allowing me to come today, because um, 
my eldest daughter got the keys to her first home uh, on Thursday, and she's moved in. Yes. So I missed out the moving in, which is really good. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, uh, I was telling Jeremy this morning, I, I had a message planned, and, and God sometimes gets you to take a right-hand turn. So, uh, so what I'm bringing you this morning is not actually what I intended to bring you. So uh, it's either a good thing or a bad thing. It's either God or uh, I had coffee too late last night. But uh, anyway, the title of my message today is Vineyard Christian Church Welcome. Oh, blessed. Uh, blessed with a question mark. And, um, you know, sometimes we go through seasons in life where we feel like, am I really living a blessed life? And we think, you know, we, we, we talk about the blessing of God and the favor of God. And Jeremy, even through communion today, has spoken into that on a couple of occasions, and, uh, which confirms that I should be bringing this message today. But we, 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 we kind of question the life that we're living because of the seasons of life sometimes. Uh, today, I want to stretch your thinking a little bit. What do I do when I feel like my life is not blessed? But here's the thing. I, I, I don't wonder at times if the parameters that we place around the blessing of God uh, aren't parameters that we've established through our own conditioning. Because if I was to do a survey uh, of any group of Christians, uh, if I was to do a survey of you guys this morning, and I asked you the question, what does a blessed life look like? I would almost guarantee that the vast majority of responses would be about security and predictability. That a blessed life is about security and a blessed life is about predictability. Or if I was to put it another way, a blessed life is about health and wealth. And I say that that's or suggest that that's um, conditioned parameters, perhaps because of our lifestyle in the West. Perhaps it's because we listen to way too many prosperity preachers on TV. I don't know. But listen, we too easily make the mistake of equating God's blessing with health and wealth. And I say it's a mistake because it is a mistake. Because for many Christians, the thinking is that a blessed life is about receiving the things that produce comfort for me and predictability for me. And friends, it is true. God does at times bless us wonderfully, miraculously, supernaturally. But I would suggest they are not the key indicators of a blessed life. Because if we begin to make those things the key indicators of a blessed life, then we're going to make a whole bunch of wrong assumptions and wrong judgments when the people around us go through hardships and trials. And we're suddenly going to go, well, 
If these are my parameters for a blessed life and you're not experiencing those things, then you've done something to grieve the heart of God or there is sin in your life. And we'll also begin to judge our own circumstances going, well, what have I done wrong? Why have I deserved this? How have I displeased God? More than that, if health and wealth are the key indicators of a blessed life, then every single Australian needs to stop praying that we would be blessed and start praising that we are blessed. Here's some statistics to maybe mess with your head and emphasize my point this morning. On the world list of life expectancy, averaged across both sexes, Australia has a life expectancy of 82.8 years. We are number four behind Japan, Switzerland and Singapore and there's only 12 months that separates us. So if health is a key indicator of blessing, we are blessed as a nation. The bottom three are the Central African Republic, Lesotho, Swaziland. They all have an average lifespan of 49 years. Now, I don't know what they've done to grieve the heart of God, but it's obviously something pretty bad. And I'm joking, of course. If wealth is a sign of God's blessing, friends, we are blessed. Whilst we have almost half of the world's population surviving on less than $2 a day, on the, av- on the list of the highest global average of wealth per capita, Australia is number two below Switzerland. The US is number three. So if health and wealth are key indicators of God's blessing, friends, we are blessed. And yet, on the list of countries that are the most Christian per capita, you cannot find Australia on any list anywhere in the top 100. But if health and wealth are key indicators of God's blessing, let me stretch your thinking a little further by giving you the top 10 countries with the highest percentage per capita of Christians. So I'll read them out and let me see if you think that in this list list of the most Christian countries by percentage of population, any of these make the list of the greatest wealth or the longest life expectancy. And here they are. Nicaragua, Romania, Malta, Guam, Micronesia, Honduras, Paraguay, Guatemala, and our near neighbor, Papua New Guinea. So hopefully you're getting my point this morning. Why am I laboring this? Well, friends, the reality is 2020 and 2021... For many people, are years we would rather forget. Let's hope and pray, perhaps, God willing, 2022 gets better. But the truth is, for some of us in this room this morning, 2022 will actually have some challenges for some of you and trials that aren't even on the radar yet. And I'm not speaking for your pastors this morning, but I know their heart. And I can guarantee that your pastors will never, ever judge you negatively based on circumstances in your life and say, you've done something wrong. 
They will walk with you. They will love you. They will heal you. They will pray with you. They will encourage you. But they will never judge you based on circumstances. So now we've got all of that out of the way. Let's unpack this a little bit more. And here's a question. Is God's desire for us as his children, is his primary desire for us to be more blessed or more mature? Does God want us to be more blessed or does he want us to be more mature? Paul writes this, 2 Corinthians 1 and 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. This is a powerful passage of scripture. And here's a question many people ask. And the question is, well, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? There's no question every single person in this room this morning have gone through tough times. You have faced trials. Might be for some that you're in the midst of a tough time right now. Maybe the question we need to ask is not why, what, why does bad things happen to good people. Maybe the question we should ask is, well, what do I do now that these bad things have happened? Not why do these things happen, but how do I cope when they happen? Because friends, like it or not, life happens, stuff happens. These things do happen. And I don't in any way this morning want to make light of any struggle that you might be going through right now. The very real pains and the very real difficulties that you might be facing. But what I do want to help us think about is grabbing a hold of perhaps a different perspective that helps us not focus on the problem, but helps us and allows us to focus on what God is doing in the midst of the problem. Knowing that God saw it coming. Nothing takes God by surprise. And God has the resources not just to resolve your issue, 
But so much more than that, he has the resources and wants to grant you his perspective to see him working and moving in the midst of what might even be the most painful season of your life. That God can redeem your current circumstances to focus not on the problem, but begin to discover what God is doing in the midst of the problem. That God is there with you while you are waiting for the light at the end of the tunnel to get a little bit closer, a little bit bigger and a little bit brighter. Friends, it is true. God is interested in resolving our trials and our problems and our difficulties. But he's just as, inter just as interested in not allowing those circumstances to be wasted but to be redeemed for his glory. Whatever our circumstances look like. And so often... I think we waste time sometimes just trying to pray stuff away and pray stuff away, pray stuff away, and we feel like we're stuck in quicksand until this issue is resolved and I'm praying it away and believing it away, I'm praying it away. But instead to say, okay, God, in the meantime, while I wait for you to guide me through and bring the resolution, God, what is it right now that you are teaching me? How are you growing me right now? How are you growing me that this might be used in the future to glorify you and to be a source of strength to others? And you know, as Paul writes this passage, he's really, really open about the trials and the struggles that he's going through. But he also recognizes that those same trials can be the means by which we actually encounter God in a far deeper way than we ever could if things were just so blessed that's his message and it's interesting in the space of just a few verses he talks about trouble and suffering and distress hardship uh, pressure despair the sentence of death deadly peril pretty good list and Paul is saying this he's saying I want you to know in my life that I have experienced troubles I have experienced sufferings. I have experienced distress and hardship and pressure and despair. I have felt the sentence of death. And he is saying this as a person who is 100% sold out and committed to God and furthering his gospel. Paul is the great champion, the great church planter, the great pioneer. His life is singularly devoted to God and yet his everyday life was filled with trials and pressures. And a huge part of that was because of his calling, because of God's purpose, because of God's will. And Paul's saying, guys, this is life. This is life. And friends, if we question ourselves, or worse still, question God every time something goes wrong because we have lived with some kind of false expectation that bad things shouldn't happen to good people, then we're going to be confused, we're going to be disappointed, we're going to be angry, we're going to be disillusioned, and above everything else, we're going to be in error. Paul says this stuff happens. But he says, you need to know something else as well 
And he says, it is actually in these trials, in these difficulties that I meet with God in a way that I never could if the grass was always green and the sky was always blue. And there's an encouraging thing that we read as well. It's not just the external stuff that he's had battles and wrestles with. It's been the internal stuff as well, the emotional life. 2 Corinthians 7 and 5, For when we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside and fears within. So he says, we've got all of these obstacles, all of these battles we've got to face on the outside. But then he talks about the inner life where he mentions these fears on the inside. He wasn't embarrassed about them. He wasn't apologetic about them. He wasn't saying they were sinful. He wasn't saying that this shouldn't happen. He's just saying this stuff happens. This is life. And rather than be embarrassed about them, you, you jump down to chapter 12 and 9. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults and hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And friends, we've got to get a hold of this. Paul says, I delight in these things that so often we label enemies. I delight in it. But I've actually discovered that these weaknesses, these insults and hardships and persecutions have actually, with hindsight, they've been my friends. Because they are the very things that have enabled me to experience God in ways I never could if my life was comfortable and predictable. So this is a great perspective of Paul's. How do we make this perspective our reality? Part of the key is two words that Paul uses. Actually uses them three times in a few verses. He says, so that. And it speaks about the purpose of the suffering. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles. Listen to this. Oh, I thought the scriptures were up there. They're not. He goes on to say, it's all good. Uh, so that, uh, don't worry about it. We can just leave that screen up there. <laughs> so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. I'll read that again. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that, there's the operative word, we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. And friends, the whole point of this, and Paul demonstrates this, God redeems our suffering. Can I hear an amen this morning? We have experienced God comforting us in our troubles so that they then become the means by where I can minister and encourage others, enter into their pain in such a genuine way because I've been there. And friends, this requires a huge shift in our thinking because we've got to know that when we are wonderfully saved and brought into the kingdom of God, 
we cannot any longer live our lives from the perspective of what's in it for me. How does this benefit me? We have to shift our thinking from what is best for me to the question, how does this equip me to be of benefit to others? Because we instinctively live with this self-preservation, this what's in it for me, what's best for me, because that self-preservation thing is inbuilt within us. But what Paul talks about, what Jesus talks about, is this is not about us. It's not about me. Because, friends, listen carefully. If I make my life and even my faith journey all about me, then I will never, ever understand the role of suffering in my life. If I make my faith journey, if I make my life, my, my perspective, my world, if it's all about me, if I'm at the center of my world, I will never understand the role of suffering in my life. As a number of years ago, actually a member of my congregation struck down with uh, quite a debilitating illness. And we had prayed and anointed with oil and prayed and prayed and prayed and pressed in, trusting God for his healing. And I said at one point to this guy, I said, listen, we don't just look to God through this. But whilst we wait upon him for the way out, we must ask, what is God showing me in this? How is God redeeming this? How is God using this right now? Now, his response as a mature Christian actually surprised me a little bit because he looked at me and he said, I don't accept that because the only purpose this serves in my life is to make my life miserable. And he was wrong. And subsequently, he was healed, praise God. But he was in error. And the error of his thinking, the error of his comment was, his only perspective was how this impacted him. Because, friends, when we do suffer, whatever it is, if we have been hurt in some way, whether I've gotten into some kind of trouble, where it might be that I feel trapped by something that is controlling my life, if it's all about me, my instinct will be to fight my way out, or if you're a Christian, to pray my way out, believe your way out. And that's valid. But if we shift our thinking a little bit, as Paul would encourage us, in verse 4 he says, The God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God... For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, this stuff happens, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. And if we can focus on God in the midst of the difficulty, we can begin to see it completely differently as we deal with the struggles, understanding this will also equip me in the future to be God's source of blessing to others.
Because one of the greatest privileges of this Christian journey is enriching the lives of others. Nothing beats that. You are placed here on this earth in the divine will of God, born into such a time and place as this, not to just be self-focused and selfishly achieving your goals and your dreams. God's placed you here to be in community with others, to be his source of blessing to others. And looking after me first actually has absolutely nothing to do with the Christian life in the New Testament. And friends, if we can change our perspective on the challenges and issues of life, we will see that not only can God use them, not only can we be a source of blessing and comfort to one another, but the suffering itself can actually produce a harvest of righteousness within us. You know, when we planted our church uh, almost 18 years ago, never having pastored before, come out of itinerant ministry into that, I had a lot of growing to do. Uh, I still do. But one of the things that I learned is that I am never to assume that my trials and difficulties all have a negative source and all have negative consequences, because they don't. I can go through tough times, and yes... There's a lots of different reasons and different sources for those tough times. Number one, I can go through tough times simply through poor choices and a lack of wisdom. And they're self-inflicted and they'll come back to bite us. Secondly, sometimes the devil can be attacking you. And he does. The source of a trial can be satanic. It can be demonic. It can be evil. But also, a footnote to that one, I recognize that if the source of a trial is demonic, then it's not because I've done something wrong, it's because I'm doing something right, because I've actually got the devil's attention. <laughs> the third source of trials and difficulties is actually then the things that God allows to grow me and to discipline me. And I can remember really early on in our journey of pastoring... I just had a whole bunch of people issues that had all happened all at once. And uh, I began a prayer that I, I still pray to this day, but less frequently. But uh, it was a really sincere prayer. And I said, oh, God, I said, if, if, if this issue or if that issue, God, if this is a meaningless distraction, take it away. But if this is going to grow me up and make me a better leader, bring it on. Oh, man, God never took it away. That's why I say I pray that less and less nowadays because I know the answer anyway. <laughs> and I know this messes with our head a little bit, but it's a wrong position to hold in the face of trials to make the assumption that the only cause of pain and difficulty is my own sin or foolishness or that it's the devil. It might be, friends, that God is actually front and center and that he's going to bring something beautiful out of it that we will only realize with hindsight. Let me hear an amen this morning. Amen. There's an interesting encounter in John 9 where the disciples came to Jesus with a really uh, predictable and, and uh, fairly obvious question. Uh, picking up from verse 1, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples, with wrong thinking, asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? 
There's the judgment, wrong judgment on the circumstance. Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. That messes with your head. Jesus goes on to heal him. But here's the thing. This guy, all through his childhood, carried a very debilitating uh, handicap. Would have been a huge problem for his parents. Uh, The burden that that would have brought, particularly culturally in that day. And as he grew into teenage years and then to be an, an adult... He could have been incredibly bitter. Uh, He could have had a million questions. He could have been under condemnation through questions like the disciples posed. Well, what's the sin in your life? He would have been an incredible burden to his parents and to others. A liability to his family. And all of that was allowed for one encounter with Jesus. Jesus heals him. And what a day that would have been. But it doesn't understand, sorry, it doesn't make sense of the years that he had to carry that handicap. It doesn't make sense of the years of the suffering that his family would have endured because of his handicap. All of it allowed by God. And he probably went to his grave praising God for that miracle that happened all of those years ago, but still never understanding why he was born blind and why he had to carry it for all of those years. Never resolved. But here's the amazing thing that perhaps in the presence of God he has now realized, that he is a rock star in heaven. Because that encounter made the pages of the Word of God and has has encouraged and challenged countless billions of people through millennia. His story, and people are going in heaven, can I have your autograph? You're the guy born blind. And only with that hindsight, only with that perspective, suddenly all of that suffering was worth it. Because I recognize in the purposes of God, which we cannot fully comprehend, God used my life in a way that has so riched and blessed others in a way so few lives ever have. How cool is that? But then there's one last thing that I need to say as well, echoed in Jesus' words. Sometimes stuff just happens. Sometimes stuff just happens. Not everything is a result of our own stupidity. Not everything is a result of a deliberate attack from the enemy. Not everything is a result of God allowing things to grow us. Sometimes stuff just happens because you and I are all subject to the brokenness of creation. There's this encounter in Luke 13 and 1. Just at that time, there arrived some people who informed Jesus about the Galileans 
whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And he replied by saying to them, Do you think that these Galileans were greater sinners than all of the other Galileans because they've suffered in this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, change your mind for the better and hardly amend your ways with abhorrence of your past sins, you will all likewise perish and be lost eternally. Or, or those 18 on whom the tower, the tower of Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were more guilty offenders than all the others who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, change your mind for the better and heartily amend your ways with abhorrence of your past sins, you will all likewise perish and be lost eternally. Jesus makes a great uh, point from a right perspective. And that's this, friends. God has a higher concern for your life and for my life than for us to be able to try and work out why everything in this life happens. I mean, how can we comprehend the ways of an infinite God with incredibly finite minds? As Paul says in Corinthians somewhere, I don't know the reference because I wasn't going to reference it, but uh, he says, you know, now we look through a glass darkly. We see a poor reflection as in a mirror. But he says, when we get into the presence of God, then we will clearly understand. You know, people say, when I get to heaven, I'll have a million questions. I'm like, no, you won't have one. Because your mind will be transformed and you'll suddenly understand the awesomeness of God in its fullness. And friends, can I encourage you this morning, we need to begin to shift our perspective on hardships. Yes, it is right that we look to God for a way through them. But in the midst of us waiting upon God, don't waste the moment, but rather say, God, what are you showing me? What are you teaching me? How are you growing me in the midst of this? To turn the attention away from the problem and turn it to God and say, God, I trust you. I trust you for the way out, but I trust you in the midst of what it is that I'm going right through right now. You with me? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for each and every person here this morning, Lord. Maybe for some of us there are things that have come to mind that represent our pain, represent our anxieties, our difficulties, our sufferings. Father, right now we bring all of those things to you. And we say, God, here I am. God, here is my pain. God, I give this to you right now. I invite you into that place. Father, we reach out to your presence, your comfort, your peace. And in faith and trust, God, we know that you will make something beautiful out of this mess. Something that grows me and enables me to be a future source of blessing to others. May this trial, God, never be wasted. Father, you know each one of us, you know our hearts, you know the fears that we carry, you know the problems that we carry. You know the conflicts that are going on in our life. 
You know the things that we have to face even as we leave here today. But Father, we just lean into you. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence, your promises, your peace, your comfort. The fact that we can cast all of our care upon you. Doesn't mean we don't have to live with it, but we just know that we have a Savior walking with us through this. And I pray that you would bring to us that peace that transcends all our understanding, that confidence deep in our heart that God has got this. That, Father, as we receive your comfort in the midst of trial, we also then understand that this is something that grows us to be that source of enabling and empowering and blessing to others. To confer upon them the same comfort that we ourselves have received from you in our trials. Father, may you open our eyes to a fresh perspective. How you have uniquely equipped each one of us to walk. To walk with you and to walk alongside of others. And it's through the knocks, God, that we're able to do that in a broken, hurting world in a, a very real and genuinely empathetic way. Just drawing alongside with love, humility, tenderness and real understanding. Thank you for that gift in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Pastor Jeremy. We didn't discuss how we're wrapping up this morning. You're going to do that dance thing you were talking about? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Can we thank Pastor Peter Shirley? Give him a <laughs> Who thinks we should have one more song before he goes? There's, there, there's one hand. Do I see another? Yes. Okay, okay. Come forward. We'll pray for you. No, no, just kidding. Uh, we'll finish with a song. We're going to have fellowship. We've got coffee, so make sure you avail yourself of that. And uh, be blessed. Have a fantastic week. I'm going to hand back over to. I'm going to. I'm going to hold on to this. <laughs> I, I won't try and play the violin. That's what I won't do. Yeah. Yeah.
Enjoy morning tea together.